The Masters is complete, and with it, another chapter of the game's history. But how it happened and why it happened are fascinating components of the whole. It's coming up on the Fairways of Life Worldwide. Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Welcome one and all. It is Monday. The Masters is now officially behind us in what a Masters it was on so many different levels and for so many different reasons as well. As we all know, the Masters is for most of us the start, unofficial or official depending upon your perspective of the golf season and such it was this weekend. The temperatures are starting to get a little bit warmer. It feels like we're emerging from a long, long, dark and cold winter on so many different levels. And we had a Masters that while many of the game's heroes were literally blown out, we still had a very compelling leaderboard. And when yesterday looked like it was going to just be a walk to victory by Hideki Matsuyama, Oh, by the way, uh, the game doesn't work that way. And it got tight in the end, right up until what happened to Xander Shoffley at 16. Today, we're going to go through all of that. We're going to take you through the top of the leaderboard. We're going to talk about the significance of what took place, what didn't take place for some. And then we have a couple of absolutely fascinating guests coming up on the show to give us some perspective. One, we're going to go to Japan live to speak with a golf professional about the impact of this victory in what is now the evening hours in the house of the rising sun, the land of the rising sun. But we're going to find out what that immediate impact will be for the next and coming days and get gauge of the same. Also, we're going to talk about if, if you followed Hideki Matsuyama throughout the course of his career. Now, granted, coming into this week, he was a five-time winner on tour. He had mad talent. That was clear. But he hadn't won since 2017. He and his wife had their baby girl in July of 2017. And I I see a couple of different things there. One is, could this be another example of a player that when they become a dad, they go one of two directions, either become this uber competitor or they go, you know what, there's more to life. And there has been a lot of speculation that maybe that's part of the emotional transition that Rory McIlroy is going through to some degree. Don't know. And I don't know about Hideki Matsuyama either. I do know that it's been since 2017 that he won, and he won this weekend again. So perhaps we're getting back into the Hideki Matsuyama that we knew so well during those years, particularly in 16 and 17, when he won multiple times a year. He was able to do it by and large with exceptional ball striking, being able to put the golf ball in a position where birdies came, shall I say, relatively easily. Not so much the last few years. The, pu- the putter started to get pretty bulky. Well, we have the man who fixed his putting coming on the program this morning. And I think the thing that you're going to find fascinating, and perhaps it's something that will give you hope too, is that it wasn't really about the technical way that Hideki Matsuyama performed what he performed from the standpoint of taking a putter in his hand and getting the ball to the hole. It was about something else. 
We'll cover that for you coming up on the show today as well. Really excited about everything that lies in store. Let's jump into this leaderboard. Hideki Matsuyama finishing on 10 under par. He finished by one stroke over a debut for the, at the Masters of Will Zalatoris, finishing at 9 under par. It was only his third major ever, and again, his first Masters. Tied for third at 7 under par, Jordan Spieth and Xander Shoffley, each with their own stories of drama. Tied for fifth, John Rahm, who had a 66 on the final day, despite a bogey at the last. Uh, also tied for fifth, Mark Leishman finished with a 73 on that mark. Seventh place belonged to Justin Rose. The last time that we were together, Justin Rose was dominating, opening with a 65, a 72 during very difficult conditions in the second round, but the weekend saw him post scores of 72 and 74 when the scoring conditions became much better. And by comparison, even though there was plenty of wind, benign compared to the the ground game that existed prior. Uh, Patrick Reed tied for eighth at four under par alongside of Corey Connors on that mark. Uh, 10th place belonging to Smith. Finau. Uh, From there, I'll give you 12th place because it's multiple players in that grouping. It was Simpson, Sink, Na, Kim, uh, McIntyre, Bob, and Harmon finishing on a tie for 12th. All right, first of all, let's jump into Hideki Matsuyama and find out what he did and how he did it as we take a, a deep dive into these players, particularly those amongst the top 10. Uh, four birdies and five bogeys for Hideki Matsuyama in that final round. 10 fairways, 11 greens in regulation. He had 28 putts. For the week, he had three eagles, 13 birdies, and nine bogeys. For the week, he hit 36 fairways, which tied him for 37th, 50 greens, which tied him for 7th, and had 114 putts, which tied him for 10th. He was 6 under par on the first nine with one eagle, six birdies, and two bogeys. He was 4 under par on the second nine with two eagles, seven birdies, and seven bogeys. He was 11 under par on the par fives, with three eagles, six birdies, and one bogey. The reason why I mentioned what he was in the par fives, A, because it's so critical, and two, because of this fact. He was one over on the par threes, even par on the par fours. He won by one stroke despite bogeys on 15, 16, and 18 coming home yesterday. He's the first player to win the Masters despite bogeys on three of his last four holes. Think about that for a second. It's fascinating. He's the fourth player to bogey the par 5 15th hole, remember, because of the shot that he hit the one over, uh, in the final round and win the Masters. The others, Gary Player in 1961, Jack Nicklaus in 1972, Larry Mize in 1987. He had a four-stroke lead entering the final round. Dustin Johnson led by four strokes after three rounds in 2020. The 54-hole leader or co-leader has now won six of the last eight Masters that have been contested. The Masters champion now has come out of the final pairing in 26 of the last 31 years. This was his 10th Masters start. He has made eight cuts with three top tens, including, of course, the victory, obviously. Other champions to win for the first time in their 10th start included Ben Hogan, Sam Snead, and one Dustin Johnson. I thought you guys would love all this information. He was fifth in 2015. He was tied for seventh in 2016. He's the first player representing an Asian country to win the Masters. He is the first player representing Japan to win a men's major. Matsuyama was tied for second in the 2017 U.S. Open. Two Japanese women have won majors, uh, Chako Higuchi, the 1977 Women's PGA, and Hanako Shibuno won the 2019 Women's Open. This win completes a Japan double this week. Uh, Subasa Kichutani 
won the, of, she's of Japan, obviously, won the Augusta National Women's Amateur, and that was just on the third. In fact, he said afterwards that he was very well aware of what she did and that he wanted to follow in her footsteps and make Japan proud. Uh, Japanese players first appeared in the Masters in 1936 and have participated every year since 1963. Uh, Hideki was low amateur in 2011. He finished tied for 27th that year. In fact, he tied with the defending champion Phil Mickelson uh, in that year. Uh, he's the seventh low amateur to eventually win the Masters, joining the following others. Ben Crenshaw, Sergio Garcia, Kerry Middlecoff, Phil Mickelson, Jack Nicklaus, and Tiger Woods. This is the sixth win on the PGA Tour for him. It's his first in almost four years since the 2017 World Golf Championships event at Firestone. At 25th in the world ranking, he is the lowest ranked Masters champion since Charles Schwartzel was 29th in 2011. Three of the last six major champions were ranked 25th or worse at the time of their win. Gary Woodland was 25th when he won the 2019 U.S. Open. Shane Lowry, 33rd at the 2019 Open at Royal Port Rush. Japan is the third country in the last five years to have its first major champion, uh, Sweden. Henrik Stenson, the 2016 Open, Italy, Francesco Molinari in the 2018 Open. I thought you guys would find that information absolutely fascinating in terms of what he did and how he did it. Okay, let's talk for a second about Will Zalatoris. And it's, he stands in such a sharp contrast, doesn't he? Because he's so young. And even though he's five years younger than Hideki Matsuyama, he seems even younger than that, doesn't he? Because of the way that he looks and the, the shock of, of blonde hair that he has and, and all the rest, the easy smile. Uh, I love the fact that they kept asking him about what, was he feeling any nerves or, or did he think he should be feeling any nerves being in the position that he was in? He was like, nah, I've dreamed about this all my life. Why should I feel nervous about it now? fascinating guy. Remember, he was with us on this show not too long ago, and we got to know him a little bit better. Uh, both of these guys are unique in multiple ways. In, in the form of Hideki Matsuyama, such a quiet man, such a shy man by his own admission. Uh, but a couple interesting things. Hideki loves to play catch. So when he's traveling, he travels with baseball gloves and a ball so that if somebody is up for a game of catch, he'll throw the ball with you. It's, he likes to fish, although he says he can't swim. So I assume that he fishes from the docks or in a very big boat, which certainly he's in a position to be able to get. Now, when it comes to Will Zalatoris, his story is a fascinating one yet for another reason. When Will Zalatoris was three years old, three, his parents had him on a driving range where they lived at that time in Northern California. Who happened to pass by this little boy hitting golf shots but none other than Ken Venturi. Ken Venturi leaned down, put his hands correctly on the club, and he said to the little boy at that time, don't ever change this grip. Fast forward, living in Texas. When Will Zalatoris was with us on this show, I asked Will, what happened? How could you possibly have come out of the lockdown and the pandemic and you're playing the best golf of your life? If you look at just what he did... Best finish on the PGA Tour, I'll give it to you first. Tied for fifth prior at the Shriners Hospital's Children Open. But at the U.S. Open last fall, he tied for sixth. That was our first major introduction to him. Seventh at the Farmer's Insurance. Eighth at the Corrales Punta Cala. He tied for tenth at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Well, he told us then 
that he'd been playing a great deal of golf with Tony Romo. And he said that Romo was an intense competitor. But it wasn't just him. It was other tour players that lived in this part of Texas, the Dallas area. It was Jordan Spieth that he would pick up a game with. So he was going out there and grinding away with a mindset that many players tell, you know, it's different when you have a card and a pencil in your hand and the score matters. Not to Will Zalatoris, it didn't matter. What he was doing right then and there mattered to him, and it gave him a great mind preparation, physical preparation for coming back out on tour. And man, is he taking advantage of it. So from there, we learn that he's been, our words, my word, mentored by none other than Lanny Watkins. And one of the interesting things that Will Zalatoris said was that everything that Lanny Watkins says to him seems to be sprinkled with some kind of wisdom, even if Lanny doesn't know he's doing it. And he spoke specifically to something that Lanny told him years ago about how to play the par 3 12th when it is amongst swirling winds, isn't it always? And he said he never forgot that. So all these little pearls of wisdom from Lanny Watkins somewhere were stored away in his mind, and he called upon them when he needed them over the course of this past week. Absolutely fascinating. Rounds for Will Zalatoris were as follows. 70 in the opening round, then a 68, a 71, a 70, 279 aggregate to finish at nine under par and in the final accounting, but one shot behind. In the final round, he had five birdies and three bogeys. In the final round, he hit eight fairways, 14 greens in regulation. He had 31 putts. His eight fairways hit yesterday were the fewest of the week. He hit 53 greens in regulation, second in the field behind only Jordan Spieth, who we will be getting to here. He had an eagle, 17 birdies, and 10 bogeys. Zalatoris was under par in every round of his Masters debut. It was the second straight year a Masters rookie had four subpar rounds. The last was Sunjay M in 2020 when he went 66, 70, 68, and 69. Zalatoris is the fourth first-year player in Masters history to have four subpar rounds. Let that sink in for a second. He's the fifth Masters rookie since 2011 to finish second or tied for second. No players won the Masters in his tournament debut since Fuzzy Zeller did it in 1979. He was eight under par in the par five holes for the week. For the week, he played holes 15 to 18 in seven under par. How about that for finishing at Augusta National? He was tied for six in his previous major. As I mentioned, the 2020 U.S. Open, that was at Wingfoot. He missed the cut in the 2018 U.S. Open in his only other major start. This obviously is his best finish on the PGA Tour. His previous best was that tie for fifth at the 2020 Shriners Hospitals for Children Open. He now has six top tens in the PGA Tour in 20 and 21 this wraparound season. He began the season with no status on tour, but several high finishes that have gotten him special temporary membership for the rest of the season. He played the Corn Ferry Tour in 2020. He had 10 top 10 finishes in 16 starts, including a win in Colorado. Incredible stuff, and that's just the top two atop the leaderboard. As I mentioned to you, we've got some really cool stuff coming up on the program today, including how Hideki Matsuyama did it. What did he do that righted the ship for him so much so with that critical part of the game, which is what he would be doing 
with his putter. Okay, you can tune into CBS April 29th through May 3rd to experience a Valspar Championship, a stellar field scheduled to compete. Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Victor Hovland, and two-time defending champion Paul Casey, plus visit uh, the Valspar Championship's Facebook page each morning for their Inside the Snake Pit Tournament Review Show. This year's tourney may have limited attendance, but you can have unlimited fun visiting the St. Petersburg Clearwater area attractions at top-ranked beaches. For more information, visit ValsparChampionship.com. All right, we have much more coming up for you on the Fairways of Life show on this Monday after the Masters, picking it apart to determine what happened, how it happened, and why. Stay with us. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours, and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles. And they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. I'm Tiger Woods, and I chose Bridgestone. I wanted to be with a company that I knew, and then on top of that, that made superior product. So I did. I came back, and I started playing with the Bridgestone Tour BXS, and it's allowed me to maintain the spin and the feel I like around the greens, especially my short irons, but also have that penetrating flight through the wind. The aerodynamics have been phenomenal. I know the quality that Bridgestone has, R&D, that's available to them, and what they were able to create that helped me win golf tournaments. Even though we're in Texas, we don't believe that bigger is always better. At Ben Hogan Golf, we believe in something called micromanufacturing, a concept Mr. Hogan taught us long ago. It's a belief that handcrafting golf clubs one at a time to your exacting specifications is the reason we make some of the best quality and best performing equipment in the world. And we don't believe in big prices. That's why we only sell directly to you at BenHoganGolf.com. Let me ask you a question. Are you in pain on the golf course? You know, pain management is a crisis in America. It affects over 100 million people and 35% of golfers, but now we can do something about it. BioFit 360 is a new company here to help us manage and alleviate that pain naturally. They've developed a formula that safely extracts CBD from the hemp plant and utilizes all of its healing properties to help us. They have a relief cream, they have gummies, they have sleep aids, and much more. It will change the way you feel on the golf course and in life. All you need to do is head to BioFit360.com. Feel better, do better, be better. Hi, I'm Brian Hammonds. You country club members can now represent your club and compete in a Ryder Cup style event. The inaugural Country Club National Championship presented by Fuzzy's Ultra Premium Vodka. It's October 12th through the 17th at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. The field is limited, so don't delay. For more information, go to ccncgolf.com. That's ccncgolf.com. I hope to see you and your team in Orlando. 
Streamsong is so special with three top 100 U.S. courses designed by four legendary architects. Tom Doak's Blue Course, Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw's Red Course, and Gil Hansen's Black Course. Secluded by thousands of acres, the greatest golf stories are lived, not told. Streamsongresort.com Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show on this Monday, recounting for you everything that took place at the Masters and sharing with you information that I don't think you're going to get anyplace else because we wanted to go deep into what happened with each of these players, ultimately letting the story of their play weave into the broader story that you already know, which Hideki Matsuyama became the first man from Japan to win the Masters and the massive impact that that's going to have. There are two important facets to that that we're going to be covering still coming up in the program. One being, how did he do it? How was he able to overcome, call it his own demons, but really it, that's not what it was. He at times could get streaky with his putter, but more often than not, the putter had been a bit bulky. We found out why. We have those details for you coming up. And I think one of the things that's exciting about it is that in as much as the Masters represents, well, hope, hope of the start of the nice weather, and at this time, hope in a lot of other ways as well, I think it will give people hope because if there's one aspect of the game where it seems that people get so frustrated, it's putting. And there's this sense that somehow some black magic is employed by those who are good putters. What is the difference? You will be fascinated to find out how and why Hideki Matsuyama is putting the way he is now. What changed? We have it for you, and we have the person that made it happen. And then we're going to take you live to Japan, where we want to touch base on everyone's talking about what a major impact this is going to have back in his homeland. Well, we want to find out. And then still coming up this week, we're going to talk even more about the impact of this victory, because whether you're talking about Andy North, uh, that, that said it on air, uh, my understanding is, is that David Duvall said it as well, that this could be a billion-dollar victory. And think about that for a second in terms of its significance. I remember Doug Sanders, when we did an interview with him, which has to be close to 10 years ago now, and he finished second in majors on five occasions. And Doug Sanders, we were actually discussing specifically the missed little putt on the 18th green at St. Andrews in 1970 that saw him into a playoff with Jack Nicklaus that pretty much I think everyone, save for maybe him, thought that it was foregone that Jack Nicklaus was going to win. Well, it was he put up a much better battle than I think most people thought he would against the great Jack Nicklaus, but the great Jack Nicklaus did end up winning. In fact, uh, you talk about distance. That hole in 1970, the 18th hole, was playing at 356 yards, and Jack Nicklaus drove it through the green at St. Andrews. Uh, but at that time, Doug Sanders said to me that loss. It was a victory that he thought he had in hand, so we called it a loss. That loss cost him $100 million. That was his assessment. And I trust his assessment because he was the man that was impacted by it. And that was nearly 60 years ago. So if that's the case, then what is this victory worth, given the fact that he is the first man ever from Japan to win a Masters? 
it's a fascinating thing to consider. Uh, let's keep going through and consider some of the numbers and some of the performance information that we're getting from players atop the leaderboard. We told you about Matsuyama finishing on the mark of 10 under par, one in front of Zalatoris. What about those tied for third at seven under par? Let's open it up with Jordan Spieth, who had rounds of 71, 68, 70, two and 70 for 281 aggregate to finish on seven under par. In the final round, Jordan Spieth had six birdies and four bogeys. He hit nine fairways, 12 greens in regulation. He had 29 putts. His Sunday fairways and greens in regulations total were the fewest of the week for him. He led the field with 56 greens hit in regulation, three more than runner-up Will Zalatoris, who had 53. So let that sink in for a second. When Jordan was at the height of his power, he was leading the tour in greens and regulation and always finished amongst the top five. Everyone thinks he did it with his putter. He did it with putting the ball in the position to go for birdies. His putting has always been overall somewhere slightly better than average, sometimes less than average. He is the best at putting in the longer distances, say over 25 feet and always has been, but you don't have many of those. So that the strokes gain approach has always been an area of strength for Jordan Spieth until he hit the valleys of the game. Well, this week he led the field with 56 greens in regulation. For the week, he had an eagle, 18 birdies, eight bogeys, one double bogey, and one triple bogey on his card. He was tied for third, marking his fifth top three finish in eight starts at the Masters. He won the 2015 Masters at 21 years old. He shot 18 under 270, tying Tiger Woods 1997 record for the lowest score in tournament history. That, of course, was broken by Dustin Johnson in November of 2020. He finished tied for second in 2014 and 2016, third in 2018. He was 12 under par in the par five holes this week, five over par on all of the other holes. He was five over par with no birdies in the par three holes this week. Specifically, he now has nine top three finishes in majors in his career with three wins, three seconds, and three thirds, does Jordan Spieth. Fascinating stuff, isn't it? He won last week, of course, at the Texas Open, his first win since 2017, a span of 83 starts. Okay, tied with him on seven under par was Xander Shoffley. Xander had rounds of 72, 69, 68, 72 for 281 aggregate, finishing on that mark again, a seven under par with seven birdies, two bogeys, one double bogey, one triple bogey, uh, which we'll get into. He had 11 fairways, 11 greens in regulation. He only had 26 putts. He had four straight birdies on holes 12, 13, 14, and 15. And that's when it looked like there was a real battle here because remember at 15 is where Hideki went over the green. He cut into the lead dramatically. He made triple bogey six though, at the 16th, he said he was trying to play a shot in there with a draw. He was trying to hook it in there, and it didn't work. He said what he should have done is done what he did all week, which, it, which is just hit a high hold-off fade. Uh, he fell off the pace at that time. It was his first ever triple bogey in a major championship. For the week, he had an eagle, 19 birdies, 9 bogeys, 1 double, and 1 triple. He hit 29 greens in regulation Thursday and Friday, 22 on the weekend each. His tie for third finish was his second top three finish in the Masters. He was tied for second in 2019. This was his sixth top five finish in a major in just 15 starts. He was tied for second in the 2019 Masters, tied for second in the 2018 Open. He was the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year in 2017. He has four wins on the PGA Tour, most recently the 2019 Tournament of Champions. A great 
finishing round for John Rahm. He finished with a 66. Uh, that went with three matching rounds of 72 to open. So Rahm finishes on six under par. He had an eagle, four birdies, and no bogeys. His final round, he had nine fairways hit, 15 greens in regulation, 28 putts. His 15 greens in regulation Sunday tied for the most in the field. His 66 was the best round of the day yesterday and just one of four rounds in the 60s that was posted. He went 36-36-72 in each of his first three rounds. He has 15 straight rounds of par or better at the Masters, and the Masters record is 16 straight rounds of par or better by Tiger Woods from 2007 to 2011. He's actually 37 under par at Augusta National since 2018. This is his fourth consecutive top 10 at the Masters. He now has six top 10 finishes in 18 career majors. Okay, let's continue to run through some of the names in the top 10. Mark Leishman finished on six under par. Leishman went 72, 67, 70, and 73 for Mark Leishman. Uh, Let's take a look at what Mark Leishman did on his card there. You can see it alongside of John Rahm. Also, Justin Rose finishing on five under par. He was two over in his final round. You remember he opened with that 65. That was so impressive. He seemed to defy the conditions that everybody else was playing in. But the next two rounds were 72. He finished at 74 after that. Patrick Reed finishing tie four eighth at four under par. And much of that was on the wings of a three under par effort for the 2018 Masters champion. Corey Connors finished at four under par, but that was because he had a great middle stretch. He opened with a 73 and then went 69-68, but a 74 for Corey Connors in the final accounting. And then, as I mentioned, Smith, Finau, Simpson, and Sink. uh, No, Smith and Finau, sorry, both finishing tied for a 10th. Those Simpson, Sink, Na, and Kim, and McIntyre, Harmon, all those who finished in a tie for 12th, all of those representing numbers of two under par. PGA Tour Superstore, we are so proud to represent you, and we're so proud of the fact that they can bring you all of the products that are absolutely loading into the golf industry right now. If I can give you one hint, it would be if you're thinking about getting something new this year that you need in your bag to start season, driver, set of irons, a wedge, a new putter, or maybe it's shoes or apparel, what have you, I would strongly recommend that you look into it right now. Because the golf industry is already heating up. We already know that the casting houses are behind in getting product out into the marketplace. So I'm not trying to instill fear here. I'm just trying to tell you to plan ahead that if there's something that you have your heart set on, check it out at the PGA Tour Superstore. You can start, if you wish, at PGATourSuperstore.com. You can pick it up safely curbside, if you please, or you can shop safely in any of their stores, more than 40 spread out coast to coast around the United States. They are the number one retailer in America for a reason, and it's because you're shopping with pros. They are experts at what they do. Check them out today. When we come out, we're going to be talking with an expert too. We're going to find out the fascinating reason that the putting of Hideki Matsuyama has changed so dramatically. If I told you legends like Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross have designed and inspired more than 10 breathtaking courses and they're all in one place, would you believe me? 
where is this special place? How far do I have to travel for this golfing nirvana? The answer could both surprise and delight you. It's right around the corner in the heartland of the country. It's Boyne Golf in Northern Michigan. It's a destination so special, so unique that you'll think you're playing golf on a work of art along the cliffs of the Monterey Peninsula or the raw sweeping landscapes of Scotland. From elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled golf vacation experience. Log on to BoyneGolf.com and see why they're at the heart of America's summer golf capital. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there's something for everyone, from Kids Fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old-world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then, finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B. The Tour Ball. Reinvented. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear. And where you get your golf gear matters. PJ Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PJ Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show with this Monday. Maddie here with you. Dom and Andrew are behind the glass. So we are super excited about our trip to Boyne. We've, we've got a trip in days coming up to the Streamsong Resort. And Dom sent me the, the list of, of, of participants last night. And what happens is, is I take them and I put together the pairings. Uh, and, and the objective is pretty straightforward for me and Dom and Drew. We want to make sure that we play with, with every person that's on the trip as much as possible, at least one of us. And then we have all the dinners and all the fun. We cannot wait to get back there. And you guys are going to share that experience with us as we go down. Because now that we're both digital radio and we're on the television side, you'll be able to see and hear all the fun that we're having. And hopefully you guys can be able to join us on one of these trips yourself. We just announced, we didn't talk about it too much during the the Masters, but we have a trip up to Boyne Golf to Northern Michigan coming up in the fall. Uh, It's going to be the 8th of September is when it's going to start and run through that weekend fairwaysoflife.com slash Boyne 2021. fairwaysoflife.com slash Boyne 2021. And we're billing it as a Fairways of Life family reunion. 
with with dual meeting. Yeah, it does mean that we're hoping that people will go with family members and certainly with your spouse, whether he or she play golf at all. Uh, they are more than welcome because there's just a ton of things to do at this incredibly beautiful place. And it's actually places. They have three different distinct resorts uh, where we're going to be. We're going to stay at, at uh, Bay Harbor, which is absolutely gorgeous, right on the inland sea of Lake Michigan. And we're going to play the Lynx course, which rises up above the lake and these huge bluffs. That's going to have you feeling like you're at Pebble Beach or you're in Scotland, but you're not. You're right in the middle of the country, easy to get to. I mean, if you're with us on the TV side and you're looking at some of these images, they are absolutely stunning. So we cannot wait to share the experience with you. We want to come together. We want to be able to give everybody a hug. We want to be able to have a sense of normalcy that we hope will be closer to the mark in September than it is right now in April, and the signs are pointing that direction. Fairwaysoflife.com slash Boyne 2021. I know, Dom, you said some reaction is coming in on all of the different media platforms that we're on now. What are you hearing from the people? Oh, yeah, lots of stuff coming in this morning. Obviously, the day after the Masters, uh, this a few things. Again, Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. We're, we're live in all these places. Very easy to find, very easy to consume. Uh, if you go and look right now at uh, YouTube, you'll see Angel writes, The Masters, one of the sport's most intense knife fights, where the course <laughs> is as challenging as your opponent's. Congrats, Hideki. Bob writes, Another great Masters again. Great to see patrons at the course, and Augusta National is more beautiful in April versus November. Kevin writes, nothing like the Masters with patrons. The golf was great. It is officially spring. Facebook Fred writes, I have never heard of Will Z. The kid is such a phenom and played amazingly and never backed down. I was pulling for him, but I'm glad Hideki pulled off a great win. So, and then you also have, you got uh, Victor here on Facebook, right? Masters Masters results were extremely tight. Congratulations to Matsuyama. And Mark writes, great stats. I'm assuming he's talking about you talking about stats. <laughs> yeah, well, continue to send in all of your responses. I'm sure there's much more than that, and Dom will we'll jump through them and share some of them on the air uh, when we have the opportunity. Our opportunity right now is a very special one. As promised to you guys, if you followed the career of Hideki Matsuyama, particularly when he was winning with regularity, in particularly 2016, 2017, just as an example. Well, he hasn't won in almost four years. And one of the things that would hold Hideki back, if you, if you again, were one who followed the game because he was such a brilliant ball striker, hasn't always been, was his putting. And so we tried to find out what it was that he did to improve dramatically that part of his game. And the answers, the results are absolutely fascinating. It is a pleasure to welcome to the show the architect of the same, Dr. Craig Farnsworth, who is a sports vision optometrist and a putting instructor, Hideki Matsuyama's instructor at that. He is a celebrated author as well, and obviously a short game guru. He's worked with over 150 professional golfers, including Annika Sormstam and Nick Faldo, uh, Brad Faxon, believe it or not, Rory McIlroy, So Young Yu, uh, Dustin Johnson, Iso Aoki, Bernhard Langer, of course, uh, Hideki Matsuyama amongst them and more. Uh, doctor, thank you very much for joining us early from California on this Monday after the Masters. I guess the place to, to start would be to say congratulations to you. How are you feeling? Uh, ecstatic. It's been pretty surreal the last several months with some back-to-back uh, wins. So uh, uh, I don't know if it's a hit me yet, but uh, we're happy for Hideki, happy for his uh, team, Bob Turner, etc. And um, 
a long time coming, and he deserves it. Uh, Hideki was obviously struggling with his putter. Is it fair for me to, to, to phrase it that way? I'm curious how it was that you and Hideki hooked up. How did that go down? How did it take place? Well, interestingly, it took place with a photographer in his uh, cadre of, uh, of photographers and uh, media personnel that watched me give a lesson to another Japanese player, a lady, and was struck by some of the detail that we administered and um, hooked us up with uh, Hideki. And uh, we met in Denver after the memorial and um, found some interesting things that I saw him do during the tournament that uh, made us proud. All right, those, th- that's on the good side, some interesting things that you saw him do that made you proud. But I'm curious about where you were when you first started working with him. What was going on with Hideki Matsuyama? What was the problem, and what did you work on to fix it? Um, obviously, he wasn't making putts he should have made, so... Um, we did our usual testing with Hideki and found that um, even though he used the line on the ball, and I told him that I was the one that started that with my book, See It and Sink It, and he gave me a nice uh, Japanese bow and thank you, uh, he didn't line up the ball correctly even at four feet. He was outside the cup with the line, so we ended up um, helping him understand the perceptual problem and what to do about it with the way he used his dominant eye only and not both eyes. He started lining up better. And uh, we found his stroke was incredible. It's just that he couldn't start it on the line he thought he was on. Uh, So it was a visual perceptual problem. Uh, Dr. Craig Farnsworth website is puttdoctor.com. Okay, Uh, doctor, understand that that, that you're speaking to an idiot here. I, I, I don't really understand what you mean when you said it was a visual perception problem uh, if I remember correctly, I read somewhere you said his aim, even on the four feet, where you just know it was outside the hole, but it was left outside the hole. Are we dealing with two eyes that are, are seen distanced differently in terms of the feedback that the brain gets, or, or what is taking place here? Uh, good question. Yes, we have what we call the dominant eye, which we, uh, in optometric uh, terminology, call the aiming eye, and uh, it gives information to the brain generally more accurately and uh, and a split second faster than the other eye. And because of what we call retinal rivalry, a lot of times both eyes uh, kind of compete for attention. And uh, that's why we see very few uh, players that are great basketball shots um, are good at things that are at a distance, like projecting a target, shooting a basketball, throwing a baseball, hitting a baseball, people see things differently. Even though you see it clearly, you may not appreciate exactly where it is in space. So we swing under a ball, we swing over a ball, we shoot short, and we putt short. In Hideki's case, that was a biggie for him. His miss was left and short, and that was because of his eyes, not because of technique. See, that's the part of this that I'm finding is so fascinating. PuttDoctor.com, if you'd like to see Dr. Craig Farnsworth of website, if you need help with this. It, it, for a couple of reasons, Doctor. First of all, everything that you're saying so far to me is about hope. This gives great hope to so many people that are struggling with their putter. And I guarantee you 
their thinking is that it is a technical problem. And you just said that one of the best in the world who wasn't putting well by his standard fairness, it wasn't a technical problem. It was a vision problem. How do we know the difference between one or the other? Well, yeah, I'd say that 90 plus percent of the people that miss a putt think it's something they did wrong with their technique. And um, we find that most people see the cup short and left or, or long and right. And a good little test for that would be to have them uh, do a dominant eye test. They can make a circle with both eyes, look at a distance target, hold up their hand, and kind of see which eye are they seeing through. That'll give them a dominant eye scenario. Then have them look at a target, maybe a, a cup 15, 20 feet away, have them close their eyes. I have them close their eyes, and I have them point with two fingers, uh, index fingers together, and then open their dominant eye. I'm left eye dominant and right-handed, so cross-dominant. And uh, take a look at where they're pointing. And most people find that they point left or right of where the target actually is, as well as they'll generally point short. And Hideki, uh, actually, when he did the test, ran around in circles going, ay, 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 ay. And, and so the, his interpreter agent, Bob Turner, said, what, 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 what? And he said, I'm hardly pointing halfway to the cup. No wonder I can't get the ball to the cup. So he had a problem both alignment and with perception of distance. And that was something that we worked on uh, on the green to help him overcome that misperception. PuttDoctor.com with uh, Dr. Craig Farnsworth. This is what I was telling you guys. Absolutely fascinating content. Okay, let's go down this road. You started to work on how to correct this. You identified the error with, with Hideki. Did you do anything with his vision at all? Was it, was it about uh, eyeglasses or was it about contacts or was this just about alignment and perception? Yeah, it wasn't about eyesight. Uh, we're talking wow. uh, not 2020 eyesight. We're talking about visual skills. So there's a lot of things that go into visual skills, including eye-hand coordination, projection accuracy, which we're talking about. Um, peripheral vision, et cetera. So we're thinking not eyesight for clarity. We're thinking about the visual ability to understand where things are in relationship to you at a distance, like a cup. Okay. So whether you're talking in that case about where he physically puts the putter, how far it is, say, from his feet, alignment, where he looks or what he thinks he sees, how did you correct all this? Well, we actually uh, had to demonstrate to him how off he was by using a, a string and, and needles and connecting a uh, point from behind the hole over the golf ball to show him that the line he was using on the ball was aimed left, and he was in disbelief. So we then re-aimed the golf ball in the line so it aimed at the cup, took the string away that was above the ball slightly, and he just shook his head and said, no, 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 that's right. And so we had Hello, to get I'm Dr. Craig Farnsworth, down the putt doctor. The ball, Welcome to the beautiful, his my right all-time golf. And then move his head back and, and forth a little bit so, until he saw that he's, um, that straight was straight with the line, which ended up being squatting down his left eye directly behind the ball, his right eye closed. And then he could appreciate that straight actually was straight. 
and not aim left like he did or think the line was right once it was lined up correctly. So it was kind of a way of getting him to position his eyes so that he appreciated uh, uh, reality instead of an illusion. Dr. Craig Farnsworth is a sports vision optometrist. You can find him at puttdoctor.com. Fascinating content of what he did with Hideki Matsuyama. So here's my curiosity now, doctor. You're watching the Masters, and I'm particularly interested in yesterday for some reason. I'm not sure why I'm picking that, but I'm particularly interested in that because it's coming down the stretch, and I'm sure there was emotion on your part as well. What did you see Hideki do that you knew came right out of your book? It's something that you and him had worked on, and you sat back and said, if he does that, he's got a good chance of getting this ball on the line that he wants. Um, If you kind of noticed... uh how fastidiously he uh, measured his distance from the ball. He would put his putter down right next to the edge of the ball. And we recommended that to get his eyes in the right spot, he needed to literally um, get a, um, a position that was about two and a half putter heads away from the edge of the ball to his toe line. And that became his perfect place that he got his eyes in a position above the ball and believe it or not in his case he he needs to have his eyes slightly inside the ball for him to see a correct alignment so it was um, really satisfying to watch him um, do that on every putt and the commentators actually made a comment of that too Uh, it's all absolutely fascinating to me all right so I'm going to ask you, Dr. Craig Farnsworth, at puttdoctor.com is the website if you want to get in touch with with Dr. Craig. I'm going to ask you to give a little nugget, a little gift to the world here this morning, because as I I talked about the course of the show and promoting the fact that you were coming on and we were so excited about it, for many people, being a good putter seemingly is, is some form of black magic. And it is such an emotionally tied part of the game, and it is so easy to get frustrated by it. I am so fascinated, as I told you, by the fact that I believe what you offer is hope. I believe that if it's not about technique, and many people feel like, geez, I feel like I'm putting a pretty good putt. I don't know how come I always miss. Maybe it is some of these other things. What little pearl of wisdom, what little nugget can we give the world of golf right here, right now, that might help them start to putt better if it is an alignment issue? Well, the nugget that I give all my players is starting to appreciate whether they use a chalk line or they use uh, two alignment rods uh, to start out every putting session with correct alignment so they can... Uh, border the hole with an alignment rod on the right side the edge of the cup and the left side make them parallel and start putting down uh, between the two alignment rods and start appreciating what straight looks like because 99% of the golfers uh, have their eyes in what they believe going straight to the cup veer off a little right or veer off a little left and that's where they aim their putter so they're always putting to an illusion and occasionally, if it's always the same, they can adjust their stroke a little bit to get close or make some putts, but they're going to be streaky at best. So always start off your practice session with an alignment aid, whether it be string and needles, I call aim aid, whether it be a chalk line or even alignment rods that they put um, uh, down next to to help them with alignment. This is such 
fascinating stuff. Dr. Craig Farnsworth joining us from California, puttdoctor.com on this Monday morning. His, his pupil has won the Masters, and it's a, a fascinating reason why to go through all of the. I, I'm fascinated on so many different levels. I was fascinated the way you were talking about a basketball. I'm sure this has applications in many different sports, and I guarantee you it's something that not many people think of. Everybody tries to correct technique, and for a lot of people, it gets them into uh, uh, chasing their tail. Docs, thanks for the time that you gave us today. It, it was fascinating. I can tell you this, too, just as an aside, you know when you were doing the test where, you, where Dom was doing that? I could see him on my monitor studio. He's doing it in, you know, right, in this producer's studio. Thank you so yeah, much for the time. Congratulations. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Keep up it the good work. It was good to see it. Uh, puttdoctor.com is the website if you want to find anything that Dr. Craig Farnsworth is doing. So, Dom, what did you think when you, when you did the whatever it was that you were doing? I think that the reason I'm not on the PGA Tour is because I'm just a little off on my alignment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this one. This part, I mean, I just need to do what he's telling me to do, and that's it. I'll never miss a putt again. I can't wait to try it. Wasn't that fascinating? I, I knew you guys would, would love when Dr. Craig came on with us, and it was as fascinating as I thought it would be. PuttDoctor.com is his website if you want to check it out, and you can get his books and all the rest. But the fact that, and it's, it's the same thing I feel like when, when, when we have Dave Stockton on, is that we have these experts come on about putting, and all of us build up so much around putting in terms of intent, in terms of failure, in terms of, of results, in terms of approach. We, we, we look for the magic wand, all of it. And the people who are true experts at putting always simplify it. They always go, no, wait a minute. It, it, it's funny because Dave Stockton will tell you the same thing that Dr. Craig just said, where he goes, I don't really work on, on technique, which is funny, right? To hear from a, from a, a, a short game and a putting guru. He's just like, I don't really work on technique. I want to make sure, I want to see, what he says is, is, is uh, he wants to see your pre-shot routine. He wants to see the efforts that you make to ensure that you can make the best effort. Absolutely fascinating stuff. And it was as cool as I had hoped that it would be. So thank you to Dr. Craig for joining us on the program this morning. TourEdge.com, a long time they have been with the Fairways of Life show, and we are very appreciative of that. Uh, but a short time that they have had the 721 products out on the marketplace. The 721 comes in two varieties, and it's just like the 521, but the 721 is even more advanced. It comes with the E, which is extreme forgiveness, and the C, which stands for competitive, but still packed with forgiveness and new technology. Just a little bit of a different look. For example, with an E, Say the 521E, I'll give you an example. That driver is offset, right? And that's going to help correct for a person that slices the golf ball, give it a a fraction of time to square up at at impact. Well, the C721 driver, to me, is the prettiest driver that Tour Edge has ever produced. It's in the marketplace right now. You can check it out at touredge.com. We've done a bunch of videos for them right here in this Fairways of Life set. You, You might see us on there, too. If so, thank you. But the C721 has what they call the Ridgeback. And I'm not even talking about the, the other products in the line. I just want to focus on this because I love it. And it's got this Ridgeback frame that allowed them to move what would otherwise have been metal in the rest of the head to different parts of the head so that they can impact the 
center of gravity, which impacts the initial launch angle. It also impacts what's called MOI, which stands for moment of inertia and stability. And then they covered that area with carbon. So they call that area carbon wings. There you can see it on your, on your television screen. Is that not beautiful? And those, that, because of that liberal use of carbon and then the radical movement of weight that it allowed them, it is an extremely forgiving, long-hitting driver. Yet when you, when you look down at it, it looks as much of a player's driver as any other one that you'll ever look at. The cool thing about what Tour Edge does is that they don't ask you to try their product based on a leap of faith. The best players in the world, more and more, are coming over to Tour Edge, and there's a reason why, because they're producing products as cool as what we were just talking about and as effective as it is in, on the golf course. But the beauty of it is, is that you don't have to remortgage the house to get it. So what they ask you to do is, is that if you're going to go and say to a PGA Tour Superstore or wherever you buy your, your golf equipment, grab all the products that you want to test. Just grab them all, whatever it is. Test them. Find out which one performs best for you, and you will be shocked how often that will be a Tour Edge product. And then, to complement everything else, is you have the assurity of knowing that they back their product with their whole heart and soul. A lifetime warranty. TourEdge.com for more information on that as well. Dom, I got to tell you, I don't know how you got Dr. Craig. Uh, Did you go through his website or how you got him at the last moment like that? But that was every bit as cool as I had hoped that it would be. And it's a fascinating insight into one part of how Hideki Matsuyama won the Masters. I couldn't believe almost anything he was saying. (laughs) I mean, right out of the gate, the stuff he was saying about your dominant eye. And I, I, I wrote it down. Like, I'm taking notes like you. We're both so archaic. I just have my piece of paper with all my notes all yeah, scratched out, right just like Matt does. We, here we are, been doing the, like, we couldn't have a more technolo- technology-advanced show, and this is what we're doing. We're scribbling stuff down. 90% of people, he said, 90% of all golfers have issues with their tech, not with their technique, but with the, the eye, the dominant eye issues. And well, the second the, time the he said was 99% and, and misaligned. 99% misaligned. Think about that. Yeah, I, did. I had no idea. I, I thought there was something wrong with my putting stroke forever. And that's where everyone's always searching. You have to wonder, after listening to him, all the stuff we hear swirling about the tour, about these guys switching to the claw grip and like Colin Morikawa changing and talking to Marco Mira, maybe if he just talks to Dr. Craig for five minutes about changing his alignment, problem solved. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I'm really curious about I guess if you had an alignment rod, which I do, and you're lining up one of the short putts, you know, a three or four footer, and, and I, don't, I don't really use the line on the ball. He's, the doctor obviously said you should. Puttdoctor.com is his website. And I guess you could, if you have a flat putt, you could line the alignment rod up with the line on the ball and see where it comes out on, on the hole. I guess that's one way that you can do it. I'm just trying to think about how you can apply what he's saying and try to figure out if you're Google-eyed. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of different ways to do it, but I, I have not spent a lot of time on the putting green focused on my alignment. And clearly, I should be doing that. But either way, it's even cooler. Imagine what it had felt for him when he, when he mentioned on every putt, over every putt, he saw Hideki doing exactly what they discussed to make sure that 
it shows you another level of this that I think is very interesting is it shows you how the best in the world are like how into the process they are, even under the most extreme pressure in an environment like that on the back nine in the masters, he's still getting over every putt, going through everything on his checklist, moving the ball here, moving his feet here, making sure it's this many lengths away. It's amazing how into the process you are. And I guess you have to be like that if you're going to, you know what I mean? If you're going to come through on the other side. Yeah, that was, that was the one part of his discussion that I was like, oh, we can't fix that at home. When he was talking about uh, Hideki with the ball placement, two and a half putter heads from him and how careful he was in measuring that down the stretch. I, I just, while you were talking, Dom, I just logged on to his website. I'm trying to find his book on here. Is it, do you know what the name of his, his most recent book was? Because I knew it was a bestseller, but I don't know if we said the name, name of the book on the air. I haven't. He has a few books. Um, give me a second. I'll get it up, and, and I'll tell you what they are, because he's, he's got a couple in, in his, on his bookshelf there. Okay. And it looks like he does all kinds of certification courses. I'm just, again, I'm on puttdoctor.com. We've never met him before. I think he's been on the show with us before, Don, but I think it was years and years ago that I, from what I recall. Uh, and he's I got think, all. I think so as well, to be honest. But 15 years of shows and thousands of interviews. Sometimes yeah. I feel bad with the stuff that I forget. <laughs> uh, he's got one book that I'm seeing on his website called The Putting Prescription. Voted one of the top 25 all-time best instruction books. But that's the only one that I see there is The Putting Prescription. Maybe that's the new one. But I'm, the reason I'm asking is completely selfish because I'm kind of like, oh, I'd, I think I'd like to get that. Anyway, we had, we had a lot to go through with you today, and we still will in the shows that lie ahead over, over the next couple of coming days. We're going to take you live to Japan, and we're going to find out what the reaction is in the land of the rising sun to one of their sons winning the Masters. Also, we're going to be speaking with someone that has deep experience, decades and decades of living and working in Japan to give us some perspective on what this might mean in terms of the long term. Uh, and, and yeah, I am talking about uh, money, uh, but I am also talking about influence and, and, and the growth of the game. Remember, uh, you have the Olympics in Japan coming up this year, and you're going to have a Masters champion representing Japan. Think about the significance of that as well. Also, uh, right now, if you guys would allow, I'd like to go through some of the notables for you in terms of what took place at the Masters and where they, they finished out. So let's, uh, let's look at some of those. Uh, there you can see it, Bob McIntyre, we put on the list because Bob was with us recently. Uh, he finishing at two under par. Terrell Hatton, Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morikawa all finishing on one under par. Victor Hovland, Phil Mickelson, Justin Thomas at level par, Bubba Watson at plus one, Louis Hayes in the same, Gary Woodland at plus four, and Bryson DeChambeau finishing at plus five. So you have a look at some notables in the field. And, and I did, I was on CBS Sports Radio last night with Jody McDonald. I was on CBS Sports Radio at 3 a.m. this morning with Amy Lawrence, and both wanted to talk to me about the fact that a lot of the big names uh, either didn't make the cut like defending champion Dustin Johnson or uh, with Brooks Kepka. There isn't as much mystery with Brooks Kepka in fairness because of the knee and everything else. And I think he deserves all the credit in the world for having, having the grit to be there and to, and to try to compete in, in this, 
Masters. But there were a lot of big names that were not around for the weekend that were swept away, whether you're talking about Rory or otherwise. The list goes on and on, depending on who your favorite is. And I think it's not simply a case of what they did with club in hand, even though Justin Rose in many ways defies what I'm about to tell you. Uh, But I also think it was because of the draw side that they were on. Remember, this was a golf course that when Jones and Mackenzie originally designed it from the nursery that it was, they wanted it to play like an inland links. Well, it played like an inland links through at least the first two rounds, maybe the first two and a half rounds before the storm came in on Saturday. The difference being that the green complexes in many cases are raised and have these false fronts, and you've got not to mention Ray's Creek, et cetera, it's hard to run it up there like you would in a Lynx scenario. So it's kind of a hybrid at that. And when you had severe conditions, namely wind and very hard uh, surfaces, whether you're talking about the fairway or you're talking about the greens, that's a pretty tough combination. And so it definitely took its toll. Now, as promised to you throughout the course of this program, I'm super excited to welcome our next guest joining us live from Japan on this Monday. It is early here. It is not early there. It is well into the evening. Tashuri Oshimoto is our guest. Uh, He is a PGA professional based in Japan. Uh, Tashuro, thank you for joining us uh, on on this Monday. I was going to say this Monday morning, but I know it's Monday evening for you. Uh, I guess the first question that I would have for you is what has been the reaction in Japan for the native son winning the Masters? Well, um, Matt, uh, thanks for having me on your show. Pleasure. And I just have to say it's it's truly a historical moment. Um, all the news outlet, all the media is going crazy. Um, <laughs> you have the who's who of golf all commenting on it. Even the, you know, the prime minister putting out a note about how, uh, you know, how proud he is about what's happened. And it's really, uh, I think it really is going to kickstart something special in golf for Japan. Well, let's let's pick up on that point for a second because you obviously have experience in the United States. You went to school here at UNLV. Uh, you are a professional from Japan. You are back in Japan again. What is the state of the game of golf in Japan, and what impact do you think this victory will have upon it? Um, yes, uh, definitely. Uh, we, we've had a tough year. We've uh, you know had COVID and all these things going on, but I think uh, this really uh, really transcends golf and. It puts some positive light on the game. You know, fortunately, uh, the game of golf, the number of golfers have been, has kind of been steady um, due to kind of, uh, you know, uh, golf being an outdoor sport and, you know, something that we can all enjoy safely. Uh, but this definitely, I think it's going to bring uh, more interest to the game. And, you know, I definitely feel that this could be something, you know, something like a tiger effect in Japan where, you Whoa. know, it puts golf on the map. That's awesome if that if it has that impact. I am curious, when you watch the Masters in Japan, and you might be interested to know that here in, in the United States, when CBS was airing the coverage down the stretch yesterday, they oftentimes dipped into the Japan, uh, what is it, uh, Japan Broadcast Company? Is it Tokyo? Bro- yes. what, what's the name of it? Yeah, Tokyo Broadcasting Company. Okay, so it was the Tokyo Broadcasting Company, so I get the name correct in in what I'm recounting to you. They would dip into your coverage so that we could hear the enthusiasm, we could hear the passion going back to the homeland. Uh, What time are you able to watch the Masters typically? Well, um, so, you know, everyone's had a long day. The coverage, I I believe, began around 
3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Japan time. And, you know, I know a lot of people, the golf fans definitely um, that I know, they've, everyone's been kind of tuned in since then. So it's been a long day um, and everyone's been kind of glued to the TV, you know, um, watching uh, this uh, moment in history. Amazing stuff. Now, the question I have for you, this is probably the hardest one. You've talked about how you hope it will have a tiger effect. What impact do you think the coming days will have for Hideki in terms of his status in Japan? Obviously, he's a sporting hero already, but in terms of how the country is going to react with, how, how do we phrase it, to honor him in some way? Yes, um, I think that he's already a, a superstar figure in the country. He represents, uh, you, know, you know, the country well. But I think this is going to put him at a whole new level. You know, when he arrives, um, I don't know what his schedule is, but when he arrives in Japan with the with green jacket on, I'm <laughs> sure it's going to be a circus. <laughs> um, and, you know, this is where golf kind of, he, he makes golf maybe a, a cool again. And maybe, uh, you know, he's going to become kind of, he's going to have a lot of impact on the younger generation uh, coming up, I believe. I, you know what? It's awesome, and I hope all of those things take place. And then you've got the Olympics in Japan coming up this year, and obviously golf is yeah. going to be a part of that. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of having the Masters champion representing Japan in the Olympic Games? Well, I, I think um, the story is kind of written perfectly for him. And, you know, you know the fact that uh, he won the Masters, this is going to be a topic you know, I think all the way until the Olympics takes place and it's going to have a huge impact and you're going to have a lot of people tuning into golf in the Olympics. And, you know, as I uh, mentioned earlier about kind of a a tiger effect, you're going to have, I believe, uh, people that maybe wasn't interested in the game before um, going to start to notice and take take up the game and be interested in seeing what happens with golf. To that point, he was asked in his press conference yesterday, the question was the following, what do you think this means for golf back home in Japan? And Hideki answered as follows, I hope it will affect golf in Japan in a good way. Not only those who are golfers already, but hopefully the youngsters who are playing golf are thinking about playing golf. I hope they see this victory and think it's cool and try to follow my footsteps. Up until now, we haven't had a major champion in Japan, and maybe a lot of golfers or younger golfers too thought, well, maybe that's an impossibility. But with me doing it, hopefully that will set an example for them that it is possible and that if they set their minds to it, they can do it too, close quote. So Tesoro, it backs up everything that you said in terms of the hopes that the first male major champion from Japan can instill and continue to grow the love of the game in your country. Yes, um, I think it's, uh, it's something special. And, you know, last year in the, uh, with the ladies, uh, with Shibuno winning, you know, the ladies open. And yeah. this year, um, Hideki following up in the men's with the Masters, I, it's, I think golf's uh, headed in a, in a positive direction right now. Absolutely. A 2019 Open champion and then, of course, the Augusta National Women's Amateur as well. We're excited to see where it goes and what it means for Japan. We love to see the game growing on a global basis. We're delighted for you and for your country that you have a Masters champion now, Tesoro. And we're really appreciative of you joining us. I can tell you it was historic for us today because we've never had a guest join us live from Japan before. So thank you for that as well. 
Well, thank you very much. Uh, glad to be on your show. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, that was a really fun show. It's always fun to recount what took place at a major championship, and in particular, to bring in experts that can give us some vision, in this case, from DeShoro about what will happen back in Japan in the wake of this victory, and then Dr. Craig Farnsworth talking about how he helped his student become a better putter when seemingly he already had a perfect putting stroke, but he wasn't getting results. It wasn't about the technique. Very cool indeed. Thank you for your company. We can't wait for tomorrow. We're going to continue down this pathway of, yes, looking forward, but also looking back at the Masters, and in particular, talking about what happened with this win and what can happen with this win in terms of the impact that it's going to have financially on the game of golf, on golf in Japan, and in the life of Hideki Matsuyama. All of that lies in store. Until then, be well and goodbye for now.